Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Pennsylvania, glad to have you with us. Chaz, Vicki, Debbie, Dr. Mike Murdoch on Periscope. Love you so much. Sorry I didn't get a chance to see you the last time I was in uh, Dallas. I was only there for like 36 hours. But I'll be back. I love you so much. Thanks for everything you've written. Thanks for keeping Christian television on the air single-handedly. Love you, brother. Darlene, Holly, Paisley, glad you're all with us. Alexia, today you see my uh, title, Five Things You're Doing That Decrease Favor and Five Things to Increase God's Favor on Your Life. I'm going to get right into it. I want you, if you have your Bible, open it with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs, the third chapter. If you'll listen to this today, this will help you, particularly if you're younger, particularly if you're in Bible college or uh, in the ministry and younger. There's ways people conduct themselves that it wouldn't matter how many doors got open for them. They would close all of them by their conduct. And this will help you. I know a lot of people, good morning, Jen. Morning, Lisa. Morning, Devin. There's a lot of people um, that haven't been trained. One huge advantage I've had in life is I, uh, my grandfather preached for six decades. My dad's in his fifth decade of preaching. I was around preachers my whole life. So when it came to the ministry, I know how to act and I know how not to act. I would be in the office at 11 years old with my grandfather. Somebody would come in and leave, and my grandfather would say something like, that guy is an idiot. So then I would replan my mind how he acted that drew that kind of response. And then there'd be other people, they'd say, you know, when they'd leave, that guy's a good guy. They acted differently. One person acted in a way where someone would be happy to never see them again. Hi, Matilda. Good morning in Maryland, Teresa. Nice to have everybody on today. Um, and then other people acted in a way that people wanted to see him again, were sad they were leaving. Proverbs chapter 3. Let me just say this while I'm at it in case I forget. There's people who aren't really that good of a preacher. Uh, They don't have miracles or anything. Nothing spectacular happens when they preach. But they have plenty of invitations and open doors and opportunities because of how they conduct themselves. It engenders favor. And there's other people who have powerful ministries that no one wants to be around because of how they conduct themselves. Favor is very important. Favor causes people to bend the rules for you. I took my daughter and my wife up in, you know, it snowed here. So rather than 
try to go about my daily routine and be miserable because of how much snow there was. I just figured I'd go to where there was the most snow, and I've been meaning to take my daughter sled riding uh, for three years and just never do it. So I figured I, I'm going to do it while she's still kind of little. So we went to a place where you can, you can do tubing. I called at noon, or Dallas called at noon. I knew the, the tubing closed at 4 p.m., so we called to have the shuttle pick us up to go. No one answered. Hotels are all short-staffed now because they lost money in COVID, so I think they're trying to recoup by having less people working the phones and everything. So they returned our call. It said to leave a message, and they said, uh, leave a message and we'll call you back. So they called back at 2.30 p.m. to inform us that the last appointment they make to have a shuttle come and take people to the mountain is 2 p.m. So they called us 30 minutes past. They we called at noon, and it was 2.30, and they let us know that that couldn't happen. So my wife informed me of that, and I got on the phone and had them reverse their decision with no yelling, no raising of the voice. Why? Favor. There's a way to engender favor from people. And actually, the book of Proverbs that I'm going to start in, and we're going to read a decent amount of it today, shows you from the wisest man who ever lived how to conduct yourself to gain favor and how to conduct yourself that makes people never want to see you again. It's a great book. The first... Uh, the. The man who was president of the Bible college that I went to when I first attended Bible school, his name was Dr. Benjamin Crandall. And um, he said, and maybe somebody else came up with it, I'm sure it's an old thing, but there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, one for every day of the month, and that you should read one proverb a day because it teaches you how to act correctly. I'm going to give you today, as you see in the title, five things you're doing that decrease favor and five things to increase God's favor on your life. Proverbs 3, verse 1. My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. I want to make a note of that. Then you will find favor with both God and man, and you will earn a good reputation. My son, if you do what I'm telling you to do, the reward will be you will have favor with God, favor with man, and you'll earn a good reputation. And of course, Solomon goes on to talk about reputation that a good man is to be desired far above great riches. Lester Summerall told the story about when he went to go see a banker to get a loan when he wanted to build his church in South Bend. The banker said, he said, I'll come down and fill out the paperwork. He said, oh, Pastor Summerall, you don't have to fill out any paperwork. We know you're good for it. He said, I had under $100 in the bank at, at the time, and I, need, I was looking for a million-dollar loan. How did he get it? He got a million-dollar loan 
off of a good reputation. That was the scripture that God gave the founder of Chick-fil-A, right? A good name is to be desired far above great riches. You can lose money and get it back. Not that you should have a cavalier attitude about losing money. But you lose a good name or character. Michael Tyson, is this live? What do you think? What do you think the blinking red live uh, thing means? Never understood when people ask if it's live, because if you haven't seen it, what difference does it make? Just a thought. So uh, if you lose your good name, that takes a long time to get back, if you ever get it back. There's a scripture my dad would quote all the time. I was going to say I don't know where it is, but I might as well look it up so I know where it is from now on. That... Let me... Let me make sure I get it right. Yeah, doesn't come right up. There's things you do, and this is what I'm going to talk to you about, favor with God and man. I would say most teaching and preaching is focused on the favor with God part. How many know God forgives? How many know God loves you no matter what? Yeah, but that's only part of the equation because the other part is you live in a world with man. And if you mess that up, it makes life difficult. If you're doing things to decrease your favor with man, you're working against what Proverbs says you should be working towards. Proverbs 3, verse 4. Then you will find favor with God and favor with man and will earn a good reputation. I want you to write down favor with God and favor with man. Luke 2.52. Luke 2.52. Jesus grew, talking about his, the early days of his life. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and favor with man. Jesus had favor. Yeah, Jesus had enemies. Everybody will have enemies. That doesn't mean you don't have favor. But a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, came forward and wanted to bury his body in his tomb. Luke 8, 1 to 3. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, talks about rich women who followed Jesus and regularly supported from their own resources as he traveled and preached. That's favor. Favor with God and favor with man. I'll give you one more scripture. Proverbs 16, 7. Proverbs 16, 7. When people's lives please the Lord, 
Even their enemies are at peace with them. So you can have enemies, but they don't move against you because of favor, according to Proverbs. I read it in the King James. When a man's ways please the Lord, I think it says, he causes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Maybe we'll make that our scripture for today. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs 16, 7. A lot of preaching is basically a ghetto mentality or afternoon talk show guest mentality with some scriptures. Let your haters be your motivators is not in the Bible. How many know people might be talking against you, but one day, you know, some people preach as if the goal in life is for the Lord to bless you to buy a Louis Vuitton purse so the lady that spoke against you will see that you have a Louis Vuitton purse. If that's your goal in life, me and you probably aren't going to connect. I mean, you know, people might talk about you. People, who cares? When a man's ways please the Lord, he causes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I find a lot of preaching devalues favor with man. My father, Tiff Shuttlesworth, has as his life scripture. Let me see if I can find that one. See if I can go at least one for two. Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace with all men and for the holiness with which no one, without, without which no one will see the Lord. But the first part, strive for peace with all men. All men. My dad plays things differently than I do. And I, his ways, I'm sure, better. My dad is happy to take whatever he has to take on the chin in order to keep peace with people. Out of that scripture, Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with all men and for the holiness with, without which no one will see the Lord. So my dad would quote that all the time. I would say, I would say when I, both when I was a kid, a teenager, in my 20s, and even now, Dad, why would you let that guy do that? You should knock him out. And my dad would say, oh, the Bible says, strive for peace with all men. Yeah, he's right. Don't you find that a lot of what people teach and preach and promoted preaching on Instagram devalues striving for peace with people? People might hate you, but God's hand's on you, and the Lord's going to show you off to them, and they're going to what you know. It's such a ghetto line of thinking. Because favor is not just favor with God. Favor is favor with God and man. 
God will show you how to conduct yourself. Of course, he'll show you in his word, and then he'll give you clues by the Holy Ghost how, how to conduct yourself to engender favor with God and favor with man. When I was dating Adalis, I finished a meeting, and I was supposed to fly to Boston that night to have dinner at someone's house with Adalis's youth pastor, who was her close friend at the, at the time and is still a friend with their family. Her youth pastor, after uh, when Adalis and Magalis were 16 years old, and his name's Max Marcoux. I like saying people's names because they deserve recognition when they did something good. His name is Max Marcoux. And when um, Adalis and Magalis first started coming to youth group, he made sure they kept coming to youth group. And if he didn't, they likely would have fell away. So he was happy that me and Adalis hit it off. He wanted her to marry a good guy. He felt like I was a good guy. I know not everybody would, would agree with him. And uh, he had a dinner at somebody's house with him, his wife, uh, and a bunch of people from their youth and young adults group. And then I was supposed to come in to the dinner. And... Um, I was looking forward to seeing Adalis. I really wanted to go there. Well, I missed my connecting flight in Washington, D.C., but this is obviously back pre-COVID when there was a flight going from D.C. to Boston like every, uh, every hour probably. So I was on standby for the next flight, and when I looked, I was 32nd in line to, to get on standby for that flight. So I'm not going to get on the flight. And I really wanted to get there. Well, what do I need? I need favor. And I was thinking what I could do, and I figured I'm going to go talk to the lady in charge. I know you're not supposed to say that someone's black anymore, but she was a black lady, a larger black lady from Washington, D.C. She, she had a decent amount of attitude. She looked like she was not in the mood. Maybe it was the tail end of her shift or whatever. She was not, not in a good mood. And I said, uh, hello. My name is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. She just looked at me like I owed her money or not happy. I said, hello, my name is Jonathan Shuttlesworth, and I missed my connecting flight. And she blurted something out. You know, you get, we have you on standby. I said, well, that's what I came to see you about. I'm 32nd on the line, on the list. But I wanted to tell you that the 31 people that are ahead of me on the list, I heard them all saying bad stuff about you. And I thought I should let you know. And she laughed like, huh. And like smiled and walked away. And then about five minutes later, I heard, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, please report to the ticket counter. And I got a ticket to get on that plane and got to see a Dallas that night. So humor was the key there. I didn't give her a word from the Lord. I didn't yell at her. I'll tell you one thing. You'll get a lot more favor in situations if you're kind than if you start letting the, this airline is the worst. There's no reason that flight should have been late. That's not the way to do it. If you make people laugh and give them a good day, it'll, it'll do a lot for you. Five things you're doing that decrease favor and five things that increase God's favor on your life. If you read... The life of Joseph, 
Um, you know, I'm going to tell you that for free. Like, see your server at a restaurant, not as the server of that restaurant. See that she's a lady who, if she had her way, would not be working there. Doesn't get to see her kids as much as she'd like. And do something to brighten her, her day and watch what happens. If, if something's wrong with your meal, she didn't cook it. She just brought it out to you. If you make people laugh instead of getting mad, when you need help, you need that person to have an interest in helping you. Not to, not to be thinking, boy, can I not, I, I'm looking forward to when I get rid of this guy. You need, to, you need to say something to him like, boy, am I glad I have you helping me today. And watch what happens. We had a bunch of bags to unload when, when uh, Nick and I were, I can't remember where we were just preaching. We had a bunch of bags we, ne- we needed to check in. So the, the guy, the porter, was helping us get the bags out of the vehicle, and I gave him a lot of money. You're supposed to give $2 a bag. I gave him way more than that. Well, you know what he did? He was supposed to walk the bags to Nick, with Nick to the back of the line, and then best of luck from there. He walked Nick past the entire line and checked in all the bags for him. Favor. It makes life easier. It makes life easier. Favor with God, which you have. The favor with man part is the trick. And that's why I'm going to tell you today five things you're doing that decrease favor. And if you're under the age of 30, 32 and younger and you're in the ministry, you need to hear these because you're probably doing a few of these, if not all five. Five things you're doing that decrease favor and five things that increase the favor of God on your life. Number one, turn to Proverbs 23, 1 to 9. Proverbs 23, 1 to 9. Thanks for being with me today. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, then fly away as an eagle towards heaven. Eat not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire his dainty meats or his delicacies. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. Let me read it in the New Living. I really want you to hear this. I have this number one for a reason. When you're dining with a ruler, pay attention to what is put before you. If you're a big eater, put a knife to your throat. Don't desire all the delicacies, for he might be trying to trick you. Verse 6, don't eat with people who are stingy. Don't desire their delicacies. 
They're always thinking about how much it costs. Eat and drink, they say, but they don't mean it. What great advice from Solomon. Five things you're doing that decrease favor and five things to increase God's favor on your life. Let's start with the five that decrease favor. Number one, demanding favor. If you get one thing out of today, if you log off after this one, it's fine with me, but get this one. Every time you demand favor, you decrease someone's desire to give you any. Can I get a ride to the airport? Can I get some of your, that chicken? Can I have one of those drinks? Don't ask for anything that's not offered to you, ever. Secondly, when things are offered to you, don't take them. <laughs> Make people practically force things your way. Because what Solomon said is true. People say that we're happy to do whatever we want. I'll give you an example. If you ask people who I preach for, you know, I almost ride the line of seeming like a, 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 I'm antisocial or whatever. So I, I, I've kind of backed off a little. But when I go to preach somewhere, a church will, will say to our staff, what does Jonathan like to drink so we can have those drinks around? This isn't everybody, because people have treated me very well. But our staff tells them, don't worry about it. Jonathan will get his own drinks. You know why? One church I was at, and this happened several times, they would press my staff. No, no, tell me, what does Jonathan like to drink? So they would tell him. They told the one church, he likes highball waters. They're, they're water that have green tea, caffeine, organic, injected into it, and B vitamins. That's what he likes to drink. After the third time pressing myself, no, tell us. We want to have it there. Okay. He likes highball energy waters. Well, I get to the church. They have highball energy waters there. And the pastor's wife says, they don't sell these at grocery stores anywhere. I, we couldn't find them. They were sold out on Amazon. I had to drive 45 minutes to get these. Yeah, I never asked for them. So that's... That's what Solomon's talking about here. Even when people say they're happy to do something for you, they're full of crap. Very, very few people. Basically, anyone who's not in this square doesn't mean what they say. We're happy to pay for your flight. We're, they're not. They've told four of their friends, you know, we paid for his flight, and then he brought his wife with him, and we had to pay for her flight. That's why I pay for all my own everything. Pay for my own flights, pay for my own hotel, don't submit the receipts. Eat where I want, pay for the meal. If the pastor comes with me, I pay for him. Because after you leave, not everybody. My friends in Hobbs, New Mexico would not be like this, and a few others. But by and large, they, they, they tell everybody, you know, he ate, you know what he ordered? He ordered a filet mignon, he got an appetizer. And that's why there's actually a whole portion of the Bible here telling you, put a knife to your throat, even when they offer you meat, don't take it, don't desire their delicacies. And that's when people, that's when people are saying that they're happy to do it. Let alone the point I'm saying here. Don't, every time you ask for favor, 
that someone's not offering, even if they give it to you, it decreases their desire to ever help you again. The last time you've ever posted on Facebook about something you need or if someone has a tr pickup truck I can use to move my n new washer and dryer, to, don't do it. You're decreasing favor. You make people, you make people not want to help you. And any desire they did have to help you, they've now, I'm done. There's the podies. They're not like that in Ruston, Louisiana. Really nobody I've preached for re recently. So if I've preached for you in the last two years, you're off the hook. This is stuff that happened a while back. But if you ever wonder why it's like pulling teeth to find out, what is Jonathan like? I don't tell people because mo most of them, they just, I don't know. I don't know why they even ask. It's like they, they just want to be upset that they had to help you or whatever. Then obviously there's people like the Podies and like the, our friends in Hobbs, New Mexico and on down the line. Joe Spence that I just preached for in Lancaster. And I shouldn't have started naming people because then if people are left out, they're going to think, oh, but I'm telling you, it's nobody recent. That they go out of their way to just bless you. When I was with the Podies in Louisiana, I had to buy another suitcase to take home all the stuff they gave me to give to Adolis and Camila. So I'm not complaining. This is not me whining, but I'm telling you that what Solomon said in Proverbs 23, he knew what he was talking about. Don't offer what, don't even take what they put before you. And then he's teaching you how to act when you're around wealthy people. You know, you look like Tiny Tim from a Christmas story if they have a bunch of stuff. Oh, is this free? Oh. You know, you, you look like you don't belong. Five things you're doing that decrease favor. Every time you ask for a favor, it decreases someone's desire to give you any, even if they grant that request. Can I get a ride to the airport? Get an Uber. Did they offer to take you to the airport? And then, even then, get an Uber. You know, if somebody really wants to bless you, it's not the worst idea to leave town with them churning on the inside that, man, that guy never let us do anything or she never let us do anything. Let's do something to bless them. Do it like that. Don't demand favor. Most traveling ministers are like grown-up four-year-old children. They can't do one thing for themselves. I, you know, I've heard, hey, brother so-and-so's at baggage claim. He said that the van's not there to pick him up. What is he, six? Can he not get an Uber? He can't get a taxi? He's so cheap. He won't pay for one thing that he's, quote, stranded at baggage claim because the church van isn't there. Get your own ride. A friend of mine that's in the ministry had a well-known guest speaker in, 
and they got a call to their office. Brother so-and-so has been waiting at baggage claim for five minutes and hasn't seen anyone from the church. Would you prefer that he books a limousine or a taxi? In other words, they're going to have to pay. We're going to bill you for it now that you didn't, weren't there. Why would you do that? Do you think he was ever invited back? Do you think if that pastor was planning on putting $10,000 in the offering that those plans may have changed when they got that call? Who do you think you are, Frank Sinatra? Want us to have a helicopter and your favorite pizza waiting for you directly when you land? Stop putting your cash app in your bio. You can't be a beggar and be blessed at the same time. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging. The seed of Abraham are not beggars. I'm so-and-so in the ministry. This is my cash app. You make yourself look bad. Don't demand what's not offered to you. Don't ask, don't take what is offered to you. No one owes you anything, which is a tough thing for people my age and younger to understand. The government doesn't owe you anything. People don't owe you anything. Everything anyone does is a blessing. No one owes you anything. The Bible says in Proverbs, it's not good for a man to sit around and think about wrongs that have been done to him. I can't believe this person did that. They don't have to do anything. If you expect nothing from everyone, life gets very peaceful. Everything anyone does for you is just a bonus. I, I promise you, I've never gone to my hotel room one time on the road saying, I can't believe that they didn't honor me. <laughs> I don't, what do you got to honor me for? Everything's a bonus. And actually, and I, again, I won't try to stay on topic, but if you get into, into a sower's mentality, that breaks that because you're looking for how to bless other people not, not who can bless you. Five things you're doing that decrease favor. Number one, demanding favor or demanding favors. Number two, and this goes hand in hand, being cheap. No one forgets a cheap person. So many young ministers have attached themselves to one rich person. They're at their house all the time. They're taking them out to eat all the time. They milk that person for all they're worth.
And you saying thank you doesn't even the score. Hey, you just spent $9,000 on me this last year taking me out to eat and just basically making me your personal charity case. Thank you. There's a lot of ministers that think, I have money, or I need money. They have money, and so they should give me money because I need it for the ministry. That's not how it works. If you're cheap, nobody forgets a cheap person. There's no evangelist on the face of the earth that if you sat them down right now, they could be 60 years old and they could tell you somebody's first and last name that when they were 23 didn't give them enough money to get out of town when they went to preach at their church. You remember, being cheap is an odor that no one ever forgets. Shirley said, could refusing someone who wants to help you cause them to miss a blessing? No, because the Lord will bless them. I've had the Lord bless me for stuff before I even had the chance to give it, just when my heart made the decision to give it. Your job's to, you know, what, you know what I've told people? People say, well, you're going you're gonna to cause me to miss, miss a blessing, or the Lord told me to give this to you. I said, tell the Lord that I said I'm not taking it and to let you off the hook. Because that's, you know, well, I don't want them to miss a blessing. I'm not saying you can't receive. Ask the podies. I, I received everything they gave me. But I certainly, I certainly wasn't dropping hints. And if I get a, even an inkling, it's like that lady that said the thing about the highball waters. I had to drive 45 minutes. They're all yours. I never asked for. I, told, I said I never asked for him in the first place. You called my staff three times asking what. Okay, what do you want me to say? Want me to make up? I want. I want uh, water fountain water from the from the church's water fountain. That way you don't have to drive. I never asked for anything. There's a lot of people that got around prosperity ministries or word of faith ministries that saw how they act, so they try to do it, but their heart's not there. They're not generous people. So they saw that that's how people operate in certain movements and are blessed. So they try to do it, but they, they don't have it. They're not generous. They know how much every meal costs. That's what Solomon was talking about in Proverbs 23. They're cheap. If I get a whiff that somebody's cheap, I promise you, I won't take one thing from them. Not one thing. And I'll pay for it. And I do it anyway. But that's why I do it. Because if, you, if you're cheap and you demand favor, you can turn somebody. Think of this. You can turn someone who really wants to help you into somebody who never wants to see you again. The opposite of favor. Somebody that would have bent over backwards to see you make it. Never want to see you again. Because the decisions you make of how you conduct yourself. Nancy said, can you be too generous? You can, you can sow seed in bad soil. You can't be too generous, but you can misplace your, your generosity.
Do you know how tired rich people are of paying for every meal? Of every time they take everybody out, no one even reaches for the check because so-and-so's there. Oh, yeah, he'll, he'll take you. Three ministers used to go golfing together. The one is very generous. The other two are very cheap. The one cheap one said to the other one, they, they both got to the clubhouse before the generous one. And he told him, don't pay. If you wait till brother so-and-so comes, he'll always pay for all of us. That guy doesn't go golfing with him anymore. Rich people, you think rich people are stupid? You think they got all that money because they're dumb and they don't know that you just milk them? They know. They know. You shouldn't favor rich people over poor people, but you also shouldn't mistreat anybody, rich or not. You'd be blown away if you ever send gifts to a rich person how many times they'll tell you, no one's ever done anything like this for me before. No one's bought them anything. Their brothers and sisters in their family all know they're the one with the money, ask for help on their mortgage. Can, can, can you give me a down payment on a, on a home? Everybody demands from them because they have. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed what would happen if you, if you treated everybody right, not just poor people. If you're kind to everybody, bless everybody. Some Christians only want to help the poor. You know, if a pastor's struggling, then they want to send him money to help him. Then if they see a pastor has a nice vehicle and a nice home, they don't want to give him, oh, he has. So what, you want to punish someone because they make good decisions? You want to punish someone because they handle their money properly? Did Jesus punish the person that multiplied their talents? When I see somebody that handles their money well, and it makes me want to bless them. Don't be cheap. Number three, five things you're doing that decrease favor. We'll move out of the money realm. Turn to Nehemiah 2.3. Nehemiah 2 3 or 2 2. In 2 1, Nehemiah said, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. Why was he terrified? If you read Bible commentaries, they tell you it was a crime punishable by death to be sad in the king's presence. The king only kept joyful people around him. I don't know if Dr. Mike Murdoch's still watching or not, but I know he has a chapter uh, about secrets of the richest man who ever lived. 
Do we have that here or not? That Solomon only hired happy people, joyful people. The king Nehemiah served under. You weren't to appear sad in his presence. Number three thing that decreases favor is being joyless. Number three, being joyless. It makes people glad you're gone. It makes people never want to see you again. There's preachers that have, haven't had a miracle in 40 years in their ministry. Haven't had anybody healed in 40 years in their ministry. Haven't had anybody saved in 40 years in their ministry. And aren't that good of a preacher. As my grandfather used to say, couldn't preach their way out of a wet paper bag. But they have a full schedule because they're funny. They're, joy they're delightful to be around. There's an old cliche, people will forget what you say, but they'll never forget how you, how you made them feel. And that's true. Everybody that's watching me right now could list someone that if they were coming over your house today, you would go, oh, no, and try to figure out some way to get out of it because you're guaranteed you're not going to have a good time. They're sad. They're going to talk about something that happened to them that you've heard them talk about for nine years 19 years, 29 years. They were in an accident. They were abused. They, and that vomit comes out everywhere they go. Hmm. <sighs> And as soon as they come over, you're thinking, how do I get them out of here? Joyless. Being joyless decreases favor. Even with God. Depression blocks everything God wants to do. That's why the devil tries to inflict people with it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. David encouraged himself in the Lord. In his presence is fullness of joy, at his right hand pleasure forevermore. Being joyless, sucking. Look, if something bad's happened to you in life, you need to get it dealt with between you and God, where it's not an open, festering wound that comes out of your mouth everywhere you go. My first husband abused me. Okay, you're 61 now. That happened in 1983. You need to get it under the blood, you need to get healed from it, and you need to quit making it the way you introduce yourself to people. Stop introducing yourself about your disability or whatever. Hi, my name's Jonathan, I'm dyslexic. I, I battle depression. Quit making your identity. Christians are to be like Christ, and Christ lifted people. When you walk into a room, <laughs> I'm telling you, where I went to get my hair cut two weeks ago, I thought I was going to get a standing ovation on my way out. I had the whole room laughing. I never told him I was a preacher. I, 
I had everybody laughing. I told them all on my way out. I said, I know this is going to sound weird because it was, you know, eight guys and one, one lady. I said, but I love all of you. They laughed. They were holding their bellies laughing. I walked. I thought they were going to clap on, on my way out. Lift it. Then when they find out I'm a preacher down the road, you think it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess them up. You're so happy, though. I, I never, never known you were a preacher. Yeah, that's the point. Being sad will get you fired. Being sad will, find, will cause people to find ways to pass over you for promotions. Being sad decreases favor. I worked there for 31 years, and they hired somebody three years ago, and they, they gave them the promotion instead of me. Shocker. I feel like firing you, and you don't even work for me. They did studies that bosses would rather have somebody that does a worse job that's happy than somebody that does a great job and is sad. My first wife left me, and then my um, second wife, she's, I think she's going to leave. Yeah, shocking. Sadness is repellent. Depression is re people repellent. That's why the devil tries to spray you with it. It actually even repels the presence of God. To enter God's presence, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll enter his courts with praise. Can't even get into God's presence. Sad. Number three, joylessness. Five things you're doing that decrease favor. Number, five, number four, lying. God hates lying. You actually could make a fairly good case from the Bible, even in the New Testament, that God not only hates lying, God hates liars. Well, God doesn't hate anybody. Talk to Ananias and Sapphira and see if they agree. The Holy Ghost dropped them in their tracks. Two of the only people that, that died post-resurrection in the dispensation of grace died for lying. God can't bless lying. God hates lying, and God hates liars. God doesn't hate it. I don't know, man. Ananias and Sapphira didn't get corrected. They got killed for lying. God hates lying so much, he calls Satan. Satan's not the father of adultery. Satan's not the father of cocaine. Satan's the father of lies. And God is the truth. I am the truth. Satan is the father of lies. When you lie, God hates lying. I can't express enough how much lying will ruin your life. You become a liar. And then you, God doesn't like you. People won't like you. You're finished. And there are a lot of liars in the ministry. When somebody tells me they have 200 people that attend their church, I know they have 60. When somebody tells me they have 500, I know they have 180. You know why? They lie. We had a lot of people away this week. Oh, yeah, two-thirds of your church? 
There's a, there's a guy lie, just like professional liars. And they wonder why, why their ministries stay small. There's a, there's a guy. I won't give him any details. There's a guy. I'll leave it at that. I never ask him how his church is doing, but he feels the need to tell me. Church is really exploding. We're at over 300 people in our Sunday service now. Hey, hey, dummy, do you know that you're on Facebook Live on Sunday mornings? I've seen your church. You don't have 80 chairs, let alone 300 people. You're a liar. It's not a small thing that you're a liar. You lie. You don't have 300 people. Your church can't even seat 200 people. You're a liar. You're a freaking liar. I'll never have anything to do with you. I don't trust people that have inflated follower accounts on Twitter. I fired our ministry's first accountant, broke ties with him, because he had 1.2 million followers on Twitter. And his tweets would get one like, one retweet. Well, if you're lying about those numbers, I don't need somebody that lies about numbers to be in charge of my numbers. You're a liar. You don't have 1.2 million people, and everybody knows you're a liar. Because people can do, you know, you got 26,000 people following you on Instagram, and you get 80 likes on a post, you're a liar. You're misrepresenting yourself. You paid money to look bigger than you are, and that's all I need to know about you. I know you'll lie about how many people come to your meetings. I know you'll lie about how much money you take in. You're a liar. I hate, I'm like my father, God. I hate lying, and I hate liars. If I catch somebody in a lie, I'm done with you. I don't care what, what the lie was. If you don't want to go out to eat, say you don't want to go out to eat. Don't lie. My wife actually um, has a fever. Bullcrap. Just say you don't want to go. Don't lie. Tell the truth. You can't lie and operate in the gifts of the Spirit, and you can't lie and be anointed. God hates lying. Some people, the reason their ministry is small is not because they don't pray or study or preach or have a hunger for God. Their lying cancels it all out. Lord's been using me all around the country. Um, we've been having great revival meetings. No, you're, no, you haven't. You're lying. Our schedule's actually full. You know, you, you'll have people, they're 23 out of Bible college. Let me, let me have my office get back to you. You don't have an office. You're a liar. Everyone knows you don't have an office. No one expects you to have an office when you're 23. So quit lying. Don't lie. Let me have my um let me have my booking agent call your church. You're a liar. You don't have a booking agent. Welcome to Jonathan Shuttlesworth International Ministries. Um Don't lie. God hates lying. People hate lying. Lying makes you like the devil. The devil is the father of lies. Don't say anything that's close to a lie. We've been having thousands saved this year. No, you haven't. You're a liar. I see your Instagram pictures. You haven't, you've been having dozens saved. Tops. So don't lie. Have you ever seen me put up pictures? I'm going to show you the opposite of lying. Find me on Instagram when I showed that meeting, when I spoke at that college. In, um, it's from a ways back. It would be like two marches ago at UMass Lowell. 
I wrote like there were eight. No, no, no. Just try to find some of my small meetings. You know why I'll do it? I'll do it to let you know I'm not a liar. I'll write attendance, 18, one person responded to receive Jesus Christ. You know why I put that up? So you see that I'm not a liar. So if there's 18 people, I don't try to pack them in and get a tight crowd shot. And you know what? If you're starting out in the ministry, no one expects you to be having Reinhardt Bonnke crusades when you're 23. Just, just don't lie. Just let people know what's happening. You don't have to make yourself look small or dumb, but don't lie. Because if I tell you there's 18 in attendance and one at the altar, then you know you can believe me when I tell you there was 9,108 and 1,744 people responded to, to receive Jesus Christ. People say insane things. We've started churches all over the world. Where are they? Tell me, tell me a list right now of churches you've started that constitute starting churches all over the world. Because I've never heard of you. And I'm a minister, and I'm in Christianity for my business, and I think I would have heard of you if you started churches all over the world. So let me hear all over the world. Oh, one in Kansas, one in Massachusetts, one in Georgia, and one in Canada. That's not all over the world, you liar. And let me tell you, if my father was here with me, he'd back me up. Anybody that has an ounce of the Holy Ghost in them, it's like a red siren going off when you lie. It's the easiest thing to pick up in the gifts. It's like a, a horn going off when somebody's lying. Don't lie. Hey, I'm not going to be able to actually come out this morning like we had scheduled because uh, my kid has a fever. They better have a fever or you're going to hell. All liars will have their place in the bottomless pit. Don't lie. You think you're making yourself appear more successful, but you're actually disqualifying yourself from God ever using you. And number five, five things you're doing that decrease favor. Number five, can't find that picture? Number five, ingratitude. There. Swift Current, Saskatchewan. My friend just started that church. It is what it is. And it's Swift Current, Saskatchewan. It's not, it's not um, Midtown Manhattan. Opening night, Swift Current, Saskatchewan, attendance 42, decisions for Christ, four. There's the four. See four? One, two, three, four. And I didn't count the two ushers standing behind them. You know why? Because I'm not a liar. I didn't say six. It's four to get saved and two people to catch them. And there's the obvious. And then here's another one. 18 university students. I spoke at a university. It was a Bible study that a... A great woman named Vivian started at her secular university from scratch. You get 18 university students to come at a university service, that's, that, that's a miracle. 18 university students, I spoke on five problems only Jesus can solve. Seven students responded to the invitation to repent and receive Christ. Great people, see you tomorrow at 5 p.m. in Charlton College of Business, lecture room 149. See? Eighteen were there, seven got saved. See how you can count it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 
That's how we were able to count how many got saved on two hands. And I'm as proud of that meeting as I am of anything else I've done because that secular university students telling them about Jesus for the first time and them getting saved, I'm happy about that. It's not a Reinhardt Bonnke crusade. No need to pretend it is. And I, and I love the meeting in Swift Current. And that one grew every night. Seven. Learn to count. Seven. Four. I've got one from Hana where one person got saved. That would be 2018 maybe. Very small crowd. One person got saved. Tell the truth. Where our television shows actually on in 40 million homes. No, it's not. What are you, stupid? You, so, you know, you feel like, t okay, so you're on in 40 million homes. It's interesting that we've been eating together at this restaurant. Not one person's come up to ask you for an autograph. You know what happens if you lie? You end up deceiving yourself. That's, that's bad. Because people tell you that, and they actually believe it. We just signed a contract. Um, our, tele, our Christian television show is now going to be on uh, in 170 million homes. Oh, I don't think so. We now reach. Want, want me to tell you what a lie is? Here's a lie. We now reach 170 million homes with the gospel every week. No, you don't. The fact that it's on, potentially on, in their cable box, and them being reached by you are two different things. You're full of crap. You're a liar. And there's no place with more liars than the Christian television business, just so you know. The people that sell the media time for Christian television are the biggest bunch of liars this side of hell. They lie. They lie about the numbers. They lie about how many people you reach. They lie about whether they put you on or not. We have people that watch the channels that we, we, we broadcast on to make sure they put us on. Amazing you have to do that in Christianity, but you do, because just like with Ananias and Sapphira, there's liars. Let me tell you something while I'm at it. If you ever catch somebody in a lie, don't confront them, but get rid of them. Don't say, I know you lied. Once you catch them lying, get them out. Don't, don't catch them twice. Don't give them a chance to get them out. God's a God of mercy, though. Not with liars, he's not. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. You catch somebody lying, treat them like a cobra near your two-year-old child. Get them out. Fire them that week. Take lying seriously. If somebody will lie in one area, they'll lie in any area. And if you ever catch somebody lying that deals with your money in your business or your ministry, you better move them out quick.
Number five, ingratitude. Did I not heal ten lepers? Where are the other nine? Ingratitude. Are you a person Are you a person who can immediately bring up what people have done that's wrong to you but don't talk about who's done good things for you? Again, I live in, in, around preachers. Preachers are interesting people, especially evangelists. You know, I preached for that guy, and he never had me back to preach. You know, he never had to have you in the first time. They're not thankful that they got to come out, that they were afforded the opportunity to preach. They're angry the pastor didn't have them back. The pastor doesn't owe you a meeting. The pastor never has to have you come in again. If every pastor that I've preached for never has me back, I'm thankful they had me in once. They never had to do that. I'm thankful for what people have done, not mad about what I expect that they should have done. What kind of mentality is that anyway? That's not God's mentality. Here's another small meeting to prove I'm not a liar. 28 in attendance, one saved. That's in Hana. And I showed the angle that made it look the emptiest. So you know I'm not a liar. But then if I tell you that we had 2,100 and 700 came to the altar, I'm telling the truth. Because if it's one, I'll tell you. Unthankfulness. Ingratitude is a favor killer. Please write in the comments, ingratitude is a favor killer. Even if you don't have a lot of money, I promise you this year would be a very different year if you allotted yourself $20 every two weeks to buy something on Amazon and ship to somebody. Watch what happens by the end of the year. Oh, there's a scripture I wanted to deal with that I just remembered right now. Turn to Proverbs 18, 16. So, now that I've crushed five things that you're doing that decrease favor, let's close with five things that increase God's favor on your life. And I won't keep you past 20 minutes. Believe it or not. If you don't believe it, I don't blame you. But after talking about lying, I'm going to stay within the 20 minutes. Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Send me those pictures if you would. <laughs> 
all the ones that we put up to my phone. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Proverbs 18, 16. In the New Living Translation, it says, giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. Now, that verse can be correctly interpreted two ways. The gift of God in your life will open doors for you and bring you before great men if you develop it. But I'm dealing with the way the new living makes it all natural and not spiritual, really, is true. Giving gifts make you memorable. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about sucking up to people. You should never You know, I've I've met I've met some some of God's greatest men, and I I have never gone to meet any of them without a significant gift, something they'll remember. One of them told um, someone that got back to me, "I've never had an American preacher do that for me." And it's two years later, and he's still talking about it. When you give gifts, so let's go in reverse order now. Five things you're doing that decrease favor. Now let's do the five things that increase favor. What's the opposite of unthankfulness? Gift giving out of a heart of love. You know what I gave that man $10,000 for? His teaching that impacted me. Thank you. I don't take it for granted. I'm grateful for your life and ministry. It's impacted me. Here's the proof. I like Pastor Chris Allen. He called it right, right from the beginning. You picked a good company to keep. Number one, five things to increase God's favor on your life. Number one, gift giving. Proverbs 18, 16. Out of a heart of love. Not crap. Give your best. We all love God, but God's not here. But his people are. And Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, you've done it to me. Third John says, brethren, when you care for the traveling ministers, you're doing a good thing. Treat people like you'd treat God. Since he's not here to give a gift to, give it to someone as doing it unto the Lord. Anyone who's given a cup of cold water in my, to, uh, in my name, you do it as unto the Lord. Colton said, do you stop sowing into people who are ungrateful? Or do you continue because technically they don't owe you anything? I would, con- I would immediately stop giving to anybody who's ungrateful. I want to give him another thing. Somebody wrote in the comments, the pastor of my church mentioned on Sunday the stakes that you mailed to him and his wife. Very kind gesture. And you want to know what? I've mailed so many to so many different pastors, I don't even know which one you're talking about. You don't have to read it in the comments either. Just give out of a heart. of And I'm not doing it to get invited back. 
They don't do it with, never do it with ulterior motive, but it'll, it'll cause favor for you anyway. Do it out of gratitude. There was a time where I had nowhere to preach. I was fasting and praying, believing for one meeting. So now when people invite me, I really appreciate it. I'm very thankful you had me come one time even. I'll send you stuff every time I think of you to say thanks. And for all the church people that take you for granted, I don't take you for granted. That's why I do it. Number one, five things to increase God's favor on your life. Number one, gift giving. Number two, what's the opposite of lying, of being a liar? Number two, speak with integrity. Let people know they can trust what you say. It'll ingratiate favor to you. They knew they could trust Joseph to take the harvest from Egypt, and he wasn't going to sell it to other nations for personal profit. They knew, they knew they could trust him. Integrity breeds favor. Integrity in speech, integrity in action. Number three, what's the opposite of being joyless? Be joyful. Maybe it's been my number one secret in life. Why do you watch Check the News? You don't watch it to get the news. You get it to have all your stress lifted off you at the end of the day and go to bed laughing, sometimes with tears running down the corners of your eyes. Joyful. Jesse Duplantis built a worldwide ministry off of it. Joyfulness. Spread it. Be a super spreader of joy. When I was 19, I'd make my boss laugh at work and laugh and laugh. And they started giving me, <laughs> they would give me for commission whatever the top sales guy earned. They would just give me the same as him every week. They let me take off as much time as I wanted to go preach. And I didn't even have to tell them. They said, just show up when you want. That was my work schedule. Show up when you want. Because I was happy, and I made them happy. Now think of this. I remember, because I must have been wired like this even when I didn't have a good revelation on prosperity. I went to Dunkin' Donuts and got myself a coffee, and then I thought, oh, my, my supervisor, Jeff, I'll get him a coffee too, because I'm going to go see him right now. I'm not going to just walk in with a coffee and not one for him, even though I was only 19. So I got him one. What is it back then? What, what's it now? What's a large coffee at Dunkin' Donuts? With? It's not three or four bucks. Not Starbucks. What is it, Ron? No, no, not all oh, two XLs. So a, an extra large now is two fifty. Back then, and the, back then they didn't have extra large. They just had large. It might have been like a buck forty. So you think about it. Spend a dollar forty. And I come back and hand him the coffee. Don't make a big deal of it. Just handed it, put it on his desk, I think, and went, 
and nodded and then went to my, my uh, desk. He said, did you get that from me? I said, yeah. He said, man. Or he said, wow, or something. I said, hey, it was only, it's $1.40. Take it easy. He said, no, it's not that. Nobody's ever got me a coffee. And then as I listened, people would come in and ask for raises, ask for money for the bus. He had money, so people expected him to give them money. But you'd be amazed what would happen if you don't ask for anything and instead be joyful and generous. Joyfulness and generosity are like C4 in a detonator. They, they'll, they'll blow your world wide open. Because people are around miserable people on a daily basis. And people are around stingy people or people that expect things from them. So if you contribute goods and joy, people want you around. Number four, what's the opposite of cheat? Generous. So generosity, or what number one was um, gratitude, thankfulness, integrity, joyfulness, generosity. Nobody forgets a cheap person, and I want to tell you, nobody forgets a generous person. I remember as clear as day my father coming back. I was nine, I think, maybe ten. I remember as clear as day my father coming back from preaching for a man named Jack Mitchell at uh, Wellesley Park Assembly of God in Massachusetts. And that guy gave my dad the biggest offering he ever had in his life by far. Back when people would give my dad 100 or $200, $400, that guy, I think, gave him 5000 or $5,500. My dad said when he, think about it, I remember this from a conversation when I was 10, 30 years ago. My dad ordered chicken at the restaurant that he took him to, and the pastor said, cancel that order. He'll have, he ordered him like a 22-ounce T-bone steak with twin lobsters, something like that. Best thing on the menu. And my dad came home, not that he was stressed out other times, but he just came home beaming told the stories about how kind this man was to him. And I'm going to tell you, I think that was when I made up my mind then. When I get older, that's what I want to do to people. I don't want to be the people that made it hard on my dad. I want to be the people that, the person that somebody remembers that, man, that guy was really good to me. Number four, generosity. Five things that increase God's favor on your life. Number five, what's the opposite of demanding favor? I'm asking you. I don't know. Being self-sufficient. I don't mean outside of God. 
We should be God-sufficient, amen? No, I, I don't mean that. I'm talking about you don't depend on others for anything. Paul said, I always took care of my own expenses and the people who traveled with me. You need a ride to the airport? Get a ride to the airport. You need a ride? Get a ride without asking anybody. You need a couch? Don't post on it on Facebook praying for a couch. Again, I don't mean self-sufficiency outside of God, but self-sufficient with you, with you and God, where you don't involve other people. People have their own lives and needs that they're wrapped up in. They don't need another person to take care of. So if you'll add to other people and never... Make them. Thinking about what to say and what not to say. Mary said, can that, so can that sometimes come off as pride or arrogance? People think you're prideful and arrogant no matter what, so who cares how it comes off? Never make any decisions in life based on how something comes off. People have their own interpretation. I mean, you can do everything right, and people still say you, you cheated them, you lied. People can say whatever they want. Just, just do things right. Do things according to the Bible. If you'll cut those five things out of your life, And add the five things into your life. You'll have the best year you've ever had. Father, I pray you would use your word and this teaching that I've sowed, sowed into your people. To undo any wrong things they grew up with or were instructed wrongly in life. it would reverse. I pray their lives would see favor engendered to every aspect of their life from this day forward. Cause, as they cooperate with your word, cause life not to be hard anymore but for the favor of God to make things easy, to open doors, like that lady that worked for the airlines in, in Washington, D.C., to cause people to do for them what they wouldn't normally do for, for people by the favor of God. In Jesus' name. Where you're at, just begin to thank the Lord out of your mouth. I want to find another scripture for you.
Well, we're going to make this our scripture for today. Look up Psalm 512, and then I want you to write it in the comments to help you remember it. Writing helps you remember. Psalm 512. In the King James. For you, O Lord, bless the righteous. You surround him with favor as with a shield. You, O Lord, bless the righteous. You surround him with favor like a shield. May that be your story from today, that your life drips with favor. I want you to thank God for favor today. Thank him for your favor that's on your life with him that translates into favor with man. See, these stories I've told you are the opposite of the ghetto stories. I had God's favor on my life, so my boss didn't like me. No, I had favor with God. Ended up leading my boss to the Lord. Favor with God and man. Upgrades at the rental car place without you asking. Upgraded room without you asking. At the hotel. Favor. People just like you and don't know why. And you're not trying to be liked. I actually couldn't do any more things to try not to be liked. How can you say that and still have a ministry? Favor. Don't lie. Be amazed what happens in life. I'm going to give you an opportunity. We'll call today a favor seed. That's awesome, Sarah. What you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. Ephesians 6, 8. I want you, wherever you give your offering today, I want you, wherever it allows you to write it down, whether it's on the claim your offer, whatever form you use online, if you're mailing it in, write it on the check. I want you to write favor seed. You know we don't normally do this, but we're doing it today. Sow a seed, and for your harvest, I want you to believe for favor to come in. Favor for you, favor for your children. Favor. As I put your kingdom first in my giving, you said all these other things will be added unto me. I'm drawing on your favor, God. I'm sowing a seed for favor. You can just put favor. You can put hashtag favor. And I want you to sow and believe for that. Thanks, Katie. For everyone that sows today, 
whatever would be your alabaster box amount. Let me see that dream pack, if you still have it available. This is just for me to say thank you. This is not your harvest. I'm going to give you that pack of books that deal with your dream, your assignment, stuff to stoke faith in you to go forward. If you do... 500 or more, I'm going to send you our Revival Today Covenant Partner Bible, Genuine Leather. And if you do the $1,000 level or more today, favor seed. I'm going to send you this Dake Annotated Reference Bible. These are two great Bibles that have one to preach and teach out of and take to church, and one to study out of that has... Tons of, of notes in it from a full gospel perspective. You see the margins there? That's all notes. 33,000 of them. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Jordan. A lot of givers today. Here's the ways you can give. Hashtag donate on Facebook. You can text RT to 50155. If you prefer to give on Cash App, dollar sign RT Give. PayPal, particularly if you're international, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. You can always just go to our website, like if you're on the app. Wow, Darlene, thank you. God bless you. Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. And then don't forget to claim your offer at revivaltoday.com. Claim your offer. For right now, and as long as it's a Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. to or 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., you can um, call 412-446-2332. Thanks, Melly. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for all the nice words. Give you a little more time to sow. So, Covenant Partner Bible for 500 or more, and then the Dake Annotated Reference Bible for 1,000 or more, with the other Bible with it. And then these books. Thank you, Christopher. God bless you. Another $1,000 seed. Very shortly, we're going to make the biggest announcement we've ever made in our ministry concerning expansion. Thank you for being with us.
There's two, there's two over there. Let me just offer these two, since you don't have the graphic. Down there, by the purple. Oh, they're there. Put it up. We'll do those two. The law of recognition. Let me see the law of recognition. It's down there, by the way, that book. And dream seeds. Law of recognition will change your life. Changed my life in Bible school when I read it. Changed my sister's life in Bible school. Here's just one part of this book. Chapter 18 is recognition of the uncommon dream that energizes you. The uncommon dream will require uncommon passion. The uncommon dream will require uncommon focus. The uncommon dream will require uncommon favor with others. The uncommon dream will require uncommon preparation. That's four of the 24 subtitles just under uncommon dream and then a paragraph under each one. Send you that and dream seeds for any size seed that you sow today. If you're listening on the podcast, same, wherever you're hearing me. Just make sure you go to revivaltoday.com and click claim your offer after you give so we know what you were listening to. I will see you this weekend, Deland, Florida, Vivid Life Church, Friday and Saturday at 7 p.m., Sunday at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. I will see you the week after that, right outside of Columbus, Georgia, the River Columbus in Midland, Georgia, February 26th to the 28th, 7 p.m. Friday and Saturday, Sunday, 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Come and see me. You don't have to register. You don't have to buy tickets. Just come with an expectation for God to touch you. Melly says, going to try to come see you. Just, just come. Thank you, Dalvir. God bless you. See you in Florida. See you in Georgia. See you tonight on Check the News. For myself and everybody here at Revival Today, I really love you. Hope today helped. See you later. God bless you. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.